Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. In the early days of the internet, what we today call Web1, the first bookings were direct. You would find a website of a hotel and you would simply book through the website. So for a brief moment, there was this hope that the internet was actually going to disintermediate the relationship between the hotel or any accommodation provider or travel provider and the guest. This proved to be very quickly an illusion because we saw the rise of OTAs, so online travel agencies, and like Booking.com, for instance, which had a very good value proposition. They had the value proposition of being a third party, somebody who would take into consideration the needs of both parties. Not only that, they would be able to focus on the technology and OTAs are mainly technology companies, while a hotel has a core business of hospitality and the technological side of it is uh, on the second order, is less important. So it became pretty soon apparent that it was going to be easier to get bookings through an OTA rather than directly. A better website, more options, the fact that you were not taking as a guest risks with you know prepaying the hotel, for instance. So as we slowly moved into Web 2, these OTAs became platforms. So they started allowing people to manage directly everything, and they would just give you the chance to do the modifications, prices and calendars, etc. And they completely took over the market. The facilitator became the owner of the market. Now, the reaction to this extreme power over the relationship between the hotel and the guest was to try to get more direct bookings. Direct bookings, meaning the guest contacts the hotel and pays at the hotel and doesn't go through an OTA. This would have seemed a no-brainer. I mean, you go direct, the hotel doesn't pay an extra 15%, which at the end of the day, you as a guest are paying. Uh, You're talking directly to the company or to the person who actually is going to give you the accommodation. This is obviously better. So why direct bookings are still the minority of bookings compared to OTA bookings? Some people say, well, because the hotels are not making the effort, look at this example where this hotel or this uh, property manager or this travel agency is getting direct bookings more than OTAs, everybody could do it like them. And no, that's not true. Um, the effort to get a lot of direct bookings is really high. So you have a cost and there's different situations. And in many situations, it is simply better in terms of costs to pay an OTA to provide easy bookings rather than creating your own system and maintaining it. In many other situations, if they just made the extra effort, they would actually get more direct bookings. Still, the situation is that OTAs in Web2 are still the kings. 
And nothing seems to point to a big change into this power dynamic in the near future. Even after COVID, where there was a very strong drive towards direct bookings, and I'm sure they grew a lot and they got better, still, the default way for booking a place seems to be OTAs. And of course, there's you know exceptions in different verticals and different places, etc. But OTAs are still going very strong. Will this change in the future? Well, I think it will. I don't know exactly how, but I see how Web3 is going to allow a new way to coordinate the relationship between the guest and the accommodation provider. And in this episode, I'm going to go through all the aspects which potentially Web3 can, can solve and all put together, they will make probably direct bookings much more viable and much more common too. First of all, trust. One of the reasons for direct bookings difficulty is the lack of trust or put better, the need for trust. So when I book directly with a villa owner, for instance, I need to trust the villa owner because if I make my booking and I prepay and then a week before my arrival, something happens like my booking is canceled or they give me a different villa or when I arrive, the villa is not as promised, etc., etc. I have little recourse because my relationship is direct. I can't really go to the police or to the hotel police or I'm on my own. So yeah, I may have saved 10%, um, but I also gave up on the protection which the OTA gives to me. So some people will say, oh, come on, the, um, the protection the OTA give you is not real. There's a many, you know, many cases in which actually people have been scammed on OTAs, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, if I book through Airbnb or Booking.com and something goes wrong, I have a phone number to call. And most of the times I'm going to be protected. If I book directly, I need to be lucky. I need to the other party to be honest and try to you know, be accommodating. So most of the appeal of OTAs is trust. They are selling, among, uh, amongst other things, they are selling trust. And I'm buying this trust. I'm buying the brand, right? Of course, if I book a Marriott hotel or a very famous brand, I can feel as protected, even more probably. But as I go lower in the hierarchy of brands and I get to maybe a beautiful villa with no real brand, then I'm, I'm, I feel less protected. It doesn't even matter if I am less protected because sometimes going direct, you get much more a much more personal approach. So it will be even better than through an OTA. But the fact is the perception, the risk I'm taking in booking directly is higher, or at least the perception is higher, and that's why I'm going through an OTA. Now, the bad news for OTAs is that Web3 manages trust. So, and we're going to explain this a bit later. The bottom line is the internet, thanks to Web3, can manage trust. So what the company is doing today, the, the platform, the OTA, is providing this trust by using you know, advertisement and systems and procedures. So they are selling this trust. And this trust now is free because of Web3. We're going to get to this a bit later. Another reason why many people prefer OTAs is that it's simply easier to book. If you 
go through an OTA, usually the experience, the UX, is much better than the hotel. And even if sometimes the hotel is better, pretty rare, but let's say that it's better, it's still new. So you have a better or equivalent system, which you don't know. It's like driving your own car, a good car, you're satisfied, and somebody gives you another car, same level, maybe even better, but it's new and you feel a bit like uncomfortable. And while you're booking a trip, often you don't want to go through this learning process. You want to stay into a known environment. In a way, you could say when you go through Booking.com or Agoda, as I've used recently, you are kind of using a standard. It's not really a standard because it's only in that website. But if you always use it, for you, it's a standard. It's familiar. And we're going to go back to standards because I think Web3 is going to bring us some UX standards, which we don't have now in Web2, where every hotel, every apartment, every villa has a different UX. In this context, it's interesting to see what happened in Web3 with UXs. Uh, Think about Uniswap. I hope by now you have looked at it. Uniswap is a, a decentralized exchange where you say, okay, I want to sell one ETH. And it shows you that you can get 3,500 USDT, for instance. So it's a very simple UX. You have on top the ETH, on the bottom you have the USDT or whatever you want to exchange it for, and then you have a swap button. Now, Uniswap had open front-end code, so anybody could copy the code. And of course, it had open smart contract code. So basically, you have this uh, very successful decentralized exchange, and you want to make a copy of it, it takes you maybe an hour. So you download the front-end code, you copy the smart contracts, you change the name, the colors, and boom, you got a perfect copy of the Uniswap system. And this actually happened. Many companies copied, many projects copied. We today have tens of different decentralized exchanges, and most of them are using the same UX. Why? Well, why would you change it when people are used to it? It's already, you know, Web3 is complicated. So if you have one thing which is easy because people have learned to use it, don't change it. And you can wonder, well, Uniswap must have been damaged by this. No, on the contrary, the whole DEX started with a website and it became an industry. And Uniswap is the first in this industry, the decentralized exchanges, or at least that kind of decentralized exchanges, which are called AMM, automatic market making decentralized exchanges. So today in Web3, if you want to do a swap, you already know how to do it. And most websites are going to give you the exact same kind of experience. Compare this with booking a a place, a villa or a hotel, going in different websites. They are all different. There is no standard. So here I'm trying to prove basically that Web3 leads towards standards, even in front-ends, while Web2 leads to not standardizing anything. Imagine a company building a booking engine. Yeah, they may try to copy the leader, but they want to differentiate a little bit because they are selling a product. So if they sell a product, they have, they have to say, well, we did it, but we did it better. It's a bit different. It's faster. We found that uh, through our experiments, people find this easier, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. While the best way to do something easy 
is to do it in the same way as people already know how to use. And this is a lux Web2 companies don't have. They have to differentiate. They have to reinvent the wheel. They have to sell. So first potential huge advantage of Web3 bookings, they are all going to look the same. And yes, once in a while, somebody will come up with something new, completely different, but it's going to be a new standard if successful. So not just a new website, completely different from everybody else. It's going to be the first of a whole new wave of websites where you book in a different way. So you learn it once and you use it in many, many other websites. So imagine being an hospitality provider and saying, okay, I want a website. Instead of going to a company which is going to use some ready-made software from another company, a booking engine from a company, and then a CMS from another company, a property management system from another company, etc., you are directly using what's out there, which is code, which has been improved by everybody for a long time. And it's just a given. It's just something used for free which is there. So you're removing here a big uh, headache in terms of how am I going to do my website? You're going to do your website as everybody else. You change the content. You don't change the flow. You don't change the UX because that's what people want to use. In that sense, direct bookings are going to be easier because the website problem will be solved. We talked a lot about NFTs as bookings. Well, if this catches on, then you will simply sell NFTs and you don't need to reinvent the wheel anymore. You're just going to use NFTs or whatever standard someone will come up with. So another solve problem here. What about payments? Today, if you want to manage payments in your website, you have to use the services of some company. Uh, Usually it's a booking engine with the integration of, of payments. You know, you have to go through the process of choosing the best one, making sure it's compatible with whatever software you use in the back end, and of course, then pay the company for the service and maintenance. And well, before you get too excited, this is going to stay with us for a long time. We are not replacing traditional credit card payments anytime soon, but we are going to have to add crypto payments. And I suspect that crypto payment solutions will work differently. Yes, there's going to be companies or even the same companies which are selling you today their payment services who are going to say, okay, that's what I'm going to give you. That's the price, et cetera, et cetera. But there are going to be also and maybe mainly open systems for payments, crypto payments, because a crypto payment system is a set of smart contracts and UX in the same way Uniswap is, in the same way any really decentralized Web3 app is. And all you will have to do is to get the code and import it in your website. A little bit like when you want to show a YouTube video, all you do, you get that piece of code from YouTube, the embed code, and you embed it in your system. So you're not actually building your own payment system. You're basically saying, okay, for payments in my website, use that system. And it's probably going to be a huge protocol with billions of dollars already transferred. So you won't need to even trust it. It's something which works. It's part of the infrastructure which is out there. And all you have to do is to say, okay, I want you to send the money to my address. And you put your own address or your own multi-sig address, whatever, 
and the system will work perfectly in your website. Again, it's not something you have to build. It's something which is out there and you just plug it in in your system. Costs, well, it depends. There's always gas costs. Maybe the protocol builders will charge you some kind of percent, but it's probably going to be very low. Uniswap charges 0.03%. And this is a whole discussion about the take rate of Web3 companies compared to the take rate of Web2 companies. Web3 companies charge less because the code is open and they can't charge too much. If they charge too much, they offer an opportunity for somebody else to come and charge less. In other words, if Uniswap charged 10%, it would be dead already because everybody's charging 0.3, 0.5. That's the average commission in these exchanges. So if you have a payment system in, in crypto which charges 5%, but actually somebody else can have it run, can make a copy and have it run and charge us 0.1%, everybody's going to use the 0.1%. So the competition on the take rate, the fee, the commission, is much, much stronger in Web3 because it's open. So you want a direct booking website, you, you know, you have the, the code for the website is there, the smart contracts are there for the payments, and let's go on with, with else, what else we need for a good, a successful direct booking website. Escrow. What is escrow? Escrow is when you pay Airbnb, Airbnb keeps the money and then releases the money to the guest on the day of check-in. In that case, Airbnb guarantees the payment. It says, I'm not going to give this payment to the hospitality provider until you checked in and everything is fine. I also here think that somebody at a certain point will build great escrow smart contracts. And of course, this only works with crypto, it doesn't work with fiat money. But if you want to pay in crypto, you're not paying the hotel directly, you are paying the smart contract and the smart contract waits for an instruction from you to release the money. Or it releases the money a day after check-in or whatever. So escrow systems are not difficult to do in smart contracts. The, the, the hard part is the dispute management and we're going to get to that. But still, they are an improvement compared to, you know, you have to pay the hotel, whatever, 100%, 50%, 30%, and that's it. This is not escrow. This is direct payment on, based on a promise. With crypto, you can have these very sophisticated escrow contracts. And if something goes wrong, you can call in dispute management systems which are basically either third-party companies, just normally centralized companies, which are going to judge on the specific problem or even the centralized groups of people, like I already mentioned this, Kleros is working on, K-L-E-R-O-S, and where a group of people, jurors, are going to decide what happens to the money in case of a dispute. And when we're going to get to that point, you know, you have a website now, which is basically free. You have payments. We just you have to report them. You have escrow. You even have dispute management. You are getting all the incredible tools OTAs have for free from the internet. And what if those systems are even better than OTAs? Like in the case, maybe of reviews. Let's talk about reviews. Today, reviews are saved in the database of the OTA. 
And if you are a guest and you write a review in Airbnb, this review is not displayed in your account when you go and booking.com. So imagine you have a long track record as a great guest. You've been very nice. You took away the trash before leaving. You made all these efforts. But this track record is completely ignored by any other website than Airbnb. Now, what about a review system where the review is connected to your account and not the OTA? So if you are a good guest, you're going to be considered a good guest everywhere else. And you're going to get maybe better deals because now the systems can actually open, for instance, certain kind of accommodations or certain kind of dates only to guests with a certain level of reviews. And if you are an accommodation provider and every review you receive from any WebTree website stays connected to your account, then you have a review system for your own website. You know those systems where you display your Booking.com or Airbnb reviews in your website? You are basically saying, well, somebody left me a good review. Why shouldn't I use it on my website? Which is correct. And you have to pay for these services and you have to hope that, you know, the OTAs allow you this in the long term. They allow you this now because direct booking is another big problem. But if they become a big problem, they're going to close the APIs and you won't be able to use them anymore. So imagine having your old history of reviews connected to your account. And by account, you know, I mean your wallet address. and being able to leverage this in your direct booking website. So then when somebody comes to book in your direct booking website, they have all the reviews. The trust factor, what the trust you build in your work can be used in your website. So now you have a great website, standardized UX. Everybody is very comfortable in using it. It has a payment system, the top level payment system in crypto. It has escrow. It has dispute management. It has reviews. What else can we add? Maybe rewards. You are a guest of Booking.com. You've been booking with them for years or Airbnb. What did you get in exchange? Yeah, you are a genius. And then recently, they made basically everybody genius. You don't get really much back from, from being such a long-term customer of, the, of these OTAs. What if the direct Booking website gives you special NFTs or special tokens immediately after every booking. And you can sell these NFTs and you can sell those tokens immediately after every booking. Because they are tokens and they belong to you 100%. The company, the, the, the small apartment owner which gave you this cannot take them back, right? So there's going to be open systems to create rewards like you know get your nfts and give them to your guests everything is free and then you can use these reward systems which are probably better than any reward system web2 has ever done because of their open nature and secondary market and there you go you even have a better reward system than hilton because you know hilton gives you points and then you have to find ways to spend them but the small hotel gives you actually tokens and nfts you can actually sell of course, yeah, I'm making the, to keep it simple, I'm making it very, a bit extreme. And of course, we're not going to get there immediately. There's going to be many failed experiments and many broken promises and many uh, fake decentralized system, et cetera, et cetera. But this is where we may end up if things keep going in this direction. 
And as usual, I'm just trying to extrapolate from what I see today. I'm pretty sure in five years, the actual environment for bookings is going to look very much different. So who knows, maybe the next big OTA is not going to be really an OTA, but a network of direct booking websites where they all look the same. The way you book them is the same. You're using the same payment systems, payment protocols, more precisely, escrow protocols, reviews protocols, rewards protocols, dispute management protocols. So you're using all those protocols, which are used in turn by thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of other people, and they are very high level. While the Web2 platforms are kind of stuck with their own service, their own software they have to build in-house. And it's a bit like Linux versus Windows. In some environments, open wins. In some, it loses. Like the desktop, Linux, never won. But every single server, or almost every single server in the world, is managed by Linux. And servers being infrastructure and booking system being infrastructure, we may get to a point where all you need to have a direct booking website is simply to use existing open systems. And the next step will simply be that companies will create ready-made Web3 booking websites. All you have to do is put your uh, email, create an account, or simply connect it with your wallet and launch an instance of your own booking website. You change a few things, you change the colors, etc. It's a template, right? And all the rest is made for you and is very high level. I have an example for this, which is the Origin Story website. This is Origin Protocol NFT platform, where if you want to launch an NFT, you don't have to write smart contracts and create front ends, etc. You just go to their website story xyz that's the url and you basically create your own nft shop now the same approach could be for bookings create your own direct booking website and you know by simply following a few steps and it's really easy of course you must have passed this wallet thing you must have a wallet you you can't go around this thing right but through this website for instance you can sell nfts also accepting credit cards so here's a startup idea, direct booking website for Web3, direct booking website creator for Web3. And where is the monetization? Well, Origin has a couple of clever ways. One is to say, we charge 7.5% commission or the free model in which 15% of the sale is given back to you in origin tokens six months after the sale. So if your NFT sells for $1,000, you get $850 now. $150 are used to buy origin tokens on the market, and you get those tokens six months later, which basically makes it a free system in which you become part of the whole network. So you become owner of the platform itself. So someone could build a similar model, maybe change the way things are paid, maybe not 7.5%, but because it's a booking, maybe less, whatever. I mean, again, we can invent anything we want here. But someone will build something like this. And when they do it, anybody in the travel industry who wants to get bookings 
will have a ready-made system for a commission, for tokens, free, whatever, we will see. The bottom line is that Web3 seems particularly well suited for enabling direct bookings and removing from the OTAs the exclusivity of trust management. Again, because OTAs offer trust to branding, Web3 offers trust through smart contracts. It's like the OTA is telling you, don't worry, I'm going to take care of you. So it's a promise, and the promise is based on a very expensive brand, so they better keep the promise, otherwise they damage their brand. While smart contracts don't tell you anything, they just work as expected. There's no human intervention, so there's no risk. Think about what happened with Airbnb right after the pandemic, where the promise of taking care of both parties had to be broken, and it has broken in for damaging the host, which lost money, right? So when you trust a brand, even if it's a big brand, they may find themselves in positions in which they have to decide between the two parties. So the third party sometimes has to decide who to sacrifice. While smart contracts don't make these decisions, smart contracts just work the way they are supposed to work. Now, we said this often, let's not forget it, Smart contracts introduce smart contract risk. If this beautiful escrow system, which is holding $20,000 of yours, gets hacked, your money is gone. So you are going to have to learn when a protocol, a smart contract, is safe and when it is not. And I talked about this before, but I, I really want to repeat this. Usually is when it has a certain history without being hacked and a certain amount of money. So if it has a lot of money and it's not, it's not been hacked for a long time, it has a higher security probably than some new contract with little money and six, you know, not, not many months of, of life because it maybe it means it's not been hacked yet because there's not much, not enough money to, to steal, right? So people are not even making the effort. So this stuff is definitely not ready for mainstream. We will get there. Now is the moment to start building and using the systems, but never forgetting high risk, high opportunity. This is where we find ourselves today in Web3 and in crypto. So let's sum it up. Good news for the direct booking movement in general. Web3 is going to help you. Bad news, not tomorrow. Great news if you are a builder. I gave you here a few ideas of payment protocols, escrow protocols, reviews protocol, dispute management protocol, rewards protocols, and a website creator idea. All right, this is the end of today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. For more insights on Web3, follow me on Twitter at TripLuca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A, and see you next time.